And so I'd like to uh, give you a catalyst of why I've chosen the particular message. Actually, it was Winston-Salem this week. There was a minister uh, supposed to preach on Wednesday. He did preach, but because of circumstances, there was an opportunity possibly he could not make it. And so I was asked to be prepared just in case. And so I started studying for Bible study. But the more I studied, the more I felt, well, I, I feel like I need to teach that here. So you may think, well, it, it's more teaching, and I'm not sure what you're used to as far as Sunday morning, whether it's supposed to be more excitement. And But my background is teaching Bible school. That's what we're doing. In uh, One of the major things in Belgium is Bible school. So I'll try to, for sure, to make it interesting. But it just understand the catalyst is as I was studying, I'm feeling more and more to speak it. And, and to say something here, and hopefully it will uh, meet the need. If I could, for the sound person, just because I'm the type, I ruin my voice if I don't. Could I have just a little more monitor, just on these monitors here, if I could ask it from you? One of the things I'm not used to because of age, of course, we're having to get used to these masks, but I made some notes this week and wrote too small, so now i got to wear these things because I can't read my writing. So... I'm going to feel uncomfortable wearing these. You can feel uncomfortable wearing your mask, and so we'll work together. But if you will stand to your feet, we're going to go to some probably for some very familiar scriptures. Matthew chapter 22, verse 14, and also uh, Philippians chapter 1, and verse 6. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Again, to your pastor, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for all the uh, friendship as far as through the years and how this, this is the family. Uh, of course, now his mother and, and uh, father-in-law and all the people that are there where we're living. And so we, we give honor to leadership, to your pastor, to your shepherd. Amen. Matthew chapter 22, verse 14 says, For many are called, but few are chosen. The contemporary says, translation, many are invited, but only a few are chosen. And so... We look at the scripture, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, being confident of this very thing. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so God is working, but he's still wanting us to continue on. It's easy for us to start the walk, but sometimes we need motivation just to keep walking. And when some, we can look at the purpose in the beginning, but sometimes because of life. Has life not happened to all of us? That we, I, we hear that expression, the new normal. I hope it's not the new normal. I hope it's the temporary normal. But the reality is we deal with life. And so I would like to speak to you this, this morning on the subject as far as trust him and pedal. Trust him and pedal. God bless you. Uh, let's pray together before you see it. Jesus, I need you. I pray, Lord, your word's anointed. It's eternal writ, but I pray may your word come alive in our, in our hearts, in our lives. Minister, we pray. God, have your way. Have your way in the altar, God. May you minister to souls, lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm not sure whether the, the rules are allowed here, but are you allowed to come to the altar at the end as long as you wear your mask and, and stay away from people? So, we would encourage that, but uh, every day confronts us with many decisions, and now we have to make decisions, of course, uh, with what's happening lately because of COVID. And the book of Proverbs, I want to hang out in Proverbs, it becomes a compass to help us navigate through these issues and through life. There's a lot of murky waters in life, but 
Proverbs helps us to at least get some principles that would respond. For example, how to succeed by remaining calm-headed in a crisis. And we're living in a crisis in some ways. But God wants us to be able to navigate through, through life. And so we can't have a calm head. It shows us how to be patient when we need to prevail. It shows us how to be gentle when we're challenged. It also shows us that we need to be firm. The firmness is when we're confronted with temptation, how we can stand firm in our lives. And so just like a coin that you may have in your pocket, I think I may have one here. The coin has two head, it has a head and a tail, so it's the contrast, one or the other. But in the book of Proverbs, the contrast is that he rewards those who are faithful to him. And in order to be faithful, we have to follow him and, and submit to him. And the, the other contrast talks about punishment for the foolish behavior that people have. And so we have choices. But God wants us to be able to navigate through life. And so our Savior often used the expression, for many are called, but few are chosen. It actually, it itself, that statement, we don't catch it, but according to the scholars, that was a proverb in itself that Jesus would quote or that he would use. And so our Savior used this expression. Probably they state it is proverbial itself because the Jews had been called, but only a few of them had chosen the life that God intended for them. The great mass of the nation, they were wicked, and they followed their own direction, and they followed their own lives, and they had not chosen to follow the right path. And so according to an old commentary, brother, uh, I called him brother, maybe, I guess he might, back then as far as the faith that they had, but I'll just say Adam Clark, how's that? And some pastors have this old, old, old uh, commentary. And so he said this. He said that this actually was an allusion to the Roman custom of raising a militia. And so when they would raise a militia, they would have to muster all of the men in any community. All of them were mustered, but yet only a few were found to be proper enough to serve. And so from that allegorical picture of getting someone to be involved, to be part of the militia, all were called, but only a few were chosen. And so Jesus begins the work, but it's not just who begins well, it's who ends well. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And so we can enter into his uh, promises in our lives and into uh, what God wants. Proverbs offers us principles, but not promises. A lot of people look at Proverbs as a promise, but it's not. It's a principle. They don't guarantee any favorable outcome. They just sort of say this is how it normally ends up. For example, that uh, one proverb we could look at is highlight a general scenario. Basically, it's like highlighting life. A, the proverb highlights, I guess, I think I might have a highlighter here. It simply takes the principle and it highlights that principle. So sometimes we need to be able to highlight life and say, okay, this is the principle that it shows us. For example, a person can work hard and because they have integrity in their life, they're more likely to have material resources than someone who's lazy or someone who's flighty. That's the principle. But take this scenario because it can happen. A lazy person can inherit wealth. Maybe they have a rich uncle. 
And so they may not have worked for those resources, but they inherited wealth. And so the principle doesn't apply in that specific area. Or there can be someone who, through hard work and because they have integrity and because they have a strong work ethic, they can have money. But because of the corruption, because of uh, the influence of a corrupt government official, that money can be exploited from someone who truly worked for it, but in the long run, they've lost all that they worked for. So that's the way Proverbs works. It's not a promise. It's a principle. Another one that some of us struggle with as far as adults is the, the Bible also says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is, i got to see it here. Excuse me, put these on. When he is old, he will not depart from it. So this is not a guarantee. Good parenting will not produce great children. But sometimes we get confused in that area. Because godly parents can have children who choose as adults, they choose to go a different direction. And so what should, they may ask themselves, what should I have done differently? Or what could I have done that would have changed things? But sometimes they did everything they could do as godly parents. But in reality, that principle because the, God always help, holds us that we are people who make our own choices. So parents give instruction to children, but guess what? The children grow up, and they, have, they make their own choices. So I want you to understand these are simply principles that work a lot of times, but there's always, 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 always exceptions in our lives. Now, the great thing, you've seen it, maybe sitting here, you're some of the examples. Conversely, there can be people, some of you may have grown up in a horrible home, a terrible background, a terrible situation, but the good, the good news comes into your life, and someone preaches the Word of God, and you hear the good news, and you say, I'm going to accept that good news, and because you repented of your sins, and you were baptized in Jesus' name, and filled with the Holy Ghost, God changed and transformed your life. But you didn't just start there. You said, I'm going to keep going and keep growing and keep moving and being motivated. And so some of you may have had a horrible background, but guess what? Now you can lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting because the gospel makes a difference in our lives. And so these are the areas we look at. And so uh, one of the pictures we can look at, sometimes it's easy just to tag things. And so God wants us to be faithful and God wants us to be available and God wants us to be teachable. And that allegory, faithful, uh, available, and teachable, God's looking for fat people. Faithful, available, teachable. Now, if you look in the Greek, even that word teachable, because we, we read it as far as that uh, he will begin and do a work, but let's look at Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 says this, And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others. And that doesn't mean men as far as here. It doesn't mean just the male. It means people, people who are faithful. But if you look at the Greek, that word teachable means, if you look at the original, it doesn't mean just teachable. It means, first of all, who are uh, teachable, and because they have a teachable spirit, then they can teach others. They have the aptitude to teach. So to have the aptitude to teach, we first have to be teachable in our lives. Faithful, available, and teachable in our lives. And so in this chapter alone, if you look at chapter 2 uh, of Second Timothy, there's job expectations that they have. Dear, my phone keeps shutting off. I have 23 minutes left. Can you wave at me when, I, when I'm done in 23 minutes? 
Stamp your foot. Stamp your foot so I get, you get my attention because my phone keeps turning off on me. All right, let's get back into the Word. Now, job expectations. In this, ch- in this chapter alone, it talks about a teacher. And so there's times we have to, fav- we have to faithfully transmit truth. God wants to use us. There's a purpose. When, when we were in the prayer uh, session in pastor's office, he said something along these lines that God may, may you, uh, with your people, may there be the, uh, f- may the fabric of your, may the purpose be manifest in the, in the uh, fabric of your people. Or something about purpose and also fabric. But I think you use the word woven into your people. And so we are a tapestry. And together we need to be faithful and let God take us and weave us and make us and form us. And so there's times we have to transmit truth as teachers. But the same chapter says that we need to be soldiers. And so as soldiers, we need to endure difficult times. Life will happen. Sometimes things won't just be so smooth. But if we're good soldiers, we will endure through the difficult times, and we will discipline ourselves. That same chapter says we need to be athletes. And so athletes, we need to train ourselves to be all that God wants us to be, but also good athletes follow the rules. They don't break the rules. They don't take the the drug-inducing things to give them an edge. They keep the rules. They they follow the rules. They discipline themselves. The Scripture says we are to be farmers, and so diligently working for the master. But guess what? What a farmer does is that they are diligent in their work when no one else is watching them do what they're doing. They do it all alone. And so faithful people say, it doesn't matter whether someone's watching me or not. I am going to diligently do the work of God. It's not about the eyes on me. It's not about who's holding the black, shiny, cordless microphone. Is that No, it's about being faithful to the kingdom of God and the, and the presence of God in our lives that motivates us. That same chapter says we're supposed to be workers or laborers, and so rigorously giving oneself to the task before us. It also in the same chapter says we are to be a vessel in God's house, a vessel in the house, the tabernacle, the temple, reserved for God's use, useful for God's special purpose. That's what God is. Does it not say, I think 1 Peter 2 and I, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people who should show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into the mar- this marvelous light. The ecclesia, the church called, the called ones. He called us out of darkness. And there's still the call of God in our lives, even today. So Matthew chapter 25, the Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Because you've been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And so if I want to qualify the blessings of God in my life, we all want blessings of God. But if we're going to qualify them, we have to be faithful. Faithful over a little, faithful over much. And so basically Proverbs talks about wisdom, but the context of the word wisdom here is to be skillful, to have skill. And so we have to have wisdom and, and, and be skillful. For example, it shows wisdom and foolishness to those who submit to God's will and to God's wisdom and to those who simply choose to take another path. There's the theme of transference in the book of Proverbs. What does that mean? That a father sits down, or really, probably more practically, he's not sitting down. They're actually doing work together. And the son watches dad. And because the son watches dad and observes what dad 
does, there's that transference of knowledge from one generation to another generation. A lot of us have skills in our lives because, ladies, your mother taught you things as a child, and now you have those skills. And for gentlemen, you have, I, I can, I feel comfortable working with wood. Why? Because my dad was a carpenter. And so my call in life as a young kid was the gopher. Go for this, go for that, search, go get this. And so, but observing what he did, I watched because I watched, then he let me do it. And then after that, he felt comfortable that he would just let me do it without being around. And so it's the same thing in our lives. We have to have discipline. The assumption from this book is every one of us. This is why you probably figured out my, my skill set. I'm comfortable with teaching. But all of us need things. The assumption in this book is every one of us need training. The assumption is every one of us needs discipling. The assumption is in this book is that we need correction and discipline because we inherently lack wisdom, and the only way to get it is through this process. And so instruction is needed. Proverbs 2 and 4, if you seek her, who's this one that we're all to seek? It's wisdom and knowledge and discernment. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for a hidden treasure, we need to search for that treasure that there is. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. And so there is this contrast between the two. Wisdom or skill within the context of Proverbs refers to the ability of life to live life righteously and, and justly. And so skill separates from failure. Skill is something that we need to bring order out of all the chaos that's going in our lives, chaos in our world, chaos because of microbes or viruses, chaos that may happen in our, in our marriage, in our family, in what we're doing at work. Somewhere there's chaos, but God wants to bring order into our chaos. And so this classic phrase in Proverbs 2 and 4 says to fear the Lord or to have the knowledge of God, that encompasses everything as far as what we need to do. There are the poles. It means having awe in our lives. That's what the fear of God doesn't mean I'm afraid of my daddy, Abba, Father, but I love my Father, and I am in awe of my Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so there's the awe, but also with that fear comes relationship, that we can walk in relationship with Jesus Christ. So there's the poles. You see that word wisdom, the Hebrew word is hakmah. And hakmah literally is translated skill. That same word was said that people who wove the tapestries in the tabernacle, they did it with hakmah. It says the ones who made the, the, the garments for all the priests and the high priests, they did it with wisdom, with hakmah. One who pilots a ship in the Mediterranean Sea, they do it with and so skill, what God wants to do is to take our lives and give us not just head knowledge, not intellectual cognitive knowledge, but skill in our lives to transform us and to change us. And so the major theme of Proverbs is the skill. The aim of this book is to acquire God's wisdom in our daily activities, not just when we come to church, but whatever we're doing, there's the wisdom of God, the skill that God gives us in our lives. Hallelujah. The word counsel, my wife's in, uh, here in the States, not 
outside, but she's a licensed Christian counsel. What is, what is counseling? The word counsel is related in the Scripture to someone who steers a ship. And so the rudder on the ship or the rudder and the ailerons on an aircraft, it's, what does it do? It gives the direction. And so counsel steers the ship. It's wise guidance that moves us in the right direction in life because we can get so lost in life, but we can have the right direction that there is in Jesus Christ. And so biblical wisdom has nothing to do with IQ. It has nothing to do with how much knowledge we can get inside our head. But it has to do with the moral and spiritual understanding that God gives us. And so I want to look at something that probably we've read in the Scripture and we just read over and we don't really get it. And so the Scripture I'd like us to read is in Proverbs. I think you probably have it on the screen. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 24 to 28. Proverbs 30, verse 24. There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, but they prepare their meat in the summer. So the preparing as ants. The conies, these are rock badgers. These are uh, high, uh, there's another word I'll, I'll bring to you, but they're known as the badgers in most translations. They are but a feeble folk, but yet they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, but they go forth, all of them, by the bands. And verse 28 says, the spider taketh hold with her hands as in the king's places. Most translations, if you even look in my, I have a new King James here, and in, in the marginal notes it says, or, or lizard. Most translations translate this to the lizard, not the spider. But they both work, but they all have a different meaning. So for the next little few minutes, if I can look at these little tiny things in life that sometimes can help us navigate through life if we look at the little things, the little creatures, biblical wisdom in these animals. Solomon um, wrote most of the Proverbs, but here in chapter 30, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, it's Agur, A-G-U-R, is the one that shows us we need to look at these little creatures. There are four things, but they're significant. And so, ver number one, when you prepare... You prosper. When you prepare, you prosper. Verse 25 says, The ants are people not strong, but they prepare their meat in the summer. Ants are very strong. They're industrious. They're persistent. And according to what science says, they are the creature that has the largest biomass in the entire world. That's not insignificant. That means their total weight compared to their body size. If you take any animal and compare their weight to their body size, how surface area, they have the largest biomass in the world. And so each Christian needs to ask the question, just like the ant, what can I do, what can I prepare for so that I can become significant in the eyes of God? Because every one of us will go through seasons in life. There will be the spring. There will be the, the effervescence of spring. There will be the strength and, and, the, and the enjoying summer of life. And then there will be the fall, and the leaves will start dropping, and then we'll start losing some things in our lives. If you're like me, you start dealing with orthopedic issues and bad knees and, and all these other stuff. And, and so we get hearing aids, and we have glasses and all those things. And, and uh, we go to the dentist and find out our teeth's not so good. And so there's the fall of life, but then winter hits. 
None of us like to think about winter when it just seems like there's death and there's dying. But in reality, we all will go through seasons of life. But those who prepare wisely, when winter comes, they will not lack because they have prepared their lives in the winter season. And so when the preparation comes first, but then the promises come after the preparation. And so when we prepare, we prosper in our lives. How can we prepare? Of course, simple things that we've heard many times. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then shall they hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. I will heal their lands. There's that preparation in our lives. Hallelujah. There is uh, Matthew 17 and 20 says, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. What's that? They couldn't cast out the demon from the child because they didn't have belief. And so he said, for truly I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall move, and nothing shall but be impossible to you. Howbeit this kind goeth out, but not by, by only by prayer and by fasting. And so we can prepare our lives. These are practical things. Everyone has, can do that. We all can study. To plan for your future, you need to study now. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. John 5, 39 says, search the scriptures, for in them you, if you think you have eternal life, and they are they which do testify of me. Preparing, simple things. Every one of us can do it. Number two, bloom where you're planted. Galatians 6 and 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And so we can prepare ourselves, but we've got to plant what we want to reap. Serve good things. Plant kindness. Plant goodness. Plant love. Because when we look at the ants, of course, we see them preparing, but also the Scripture showed us that's, just like the ants, we can prepare our lives. They store up food for the, in the summer in order to meet the challenge of the winter. But the number two thing says go to the rock badger. And so your relationship will keep you safe. Only relationship will keep you safe. When you look at a rock badger, it's known as a rock bunny, or uh, it's known as uh, Hyrax, H-Y-R-A-X, many names for the same little thing. Think of it as little bunny. And so the large, ragged crags jutting up from the mountain form a perfect hiding place for the rock badger. If an eagle swoops down, and they will, they will swoop down, but the rock badger will hide in the crags of the rock. And so the eagle would have to literally tear the mountain apart in order to get at the rock, the little bunny. And so there's safety in the rock badger hiding amongst the crags that's in the mountain. If a lion is hungry and on the prey for lunch, the badger is undetected if it stays close to the rock because it's the same color as the rock. 
and so it blends in with its camouflage and so as long as it hides itself in the rock it's it's safe and understand we have got to understand we must hide ourselves in the rock we need to hide ourselves in that crag in that place where there is safety How many more minutes, dear? Seven minutes. Just to just go off for a second. Rabbit trail, talking about bunnies. Moses hides himself in the crag, in, in, in the cleft of the rock. I used to be a registered nurse. One of the things you do when you, when you get x-rays all the time, they put a lead vest over you. Why do they put a lead vest over you? Because they want to protect you from the radiation. And so God says, no one can see me and live. But he said, if you look at my hinder plates, I will put my hand there. But he said, in order to live, you've got to hide yourself in the cleft of that rock. Maybe in that rock there was lead itself because God is light, the Scripture says. He's not just visible light. He's infrared light. He's, he's ultraviolet light. He's all forms of the light spectrum. And so if you will hide yourself in that rock, maybe there was lead there that protected Moses. But understand, we have got to hide ourselves in the rock. And that rock is Christ Jesus in our lives. Prepare yourself and also have relationship with Christ. There's safety. Only you can destroy yourself. No one else can destroy you but the person you look in the mirror at every single day. Number three, when we unite, he ignites. When we unite, he he ignites. The locusts have no king, yet go they forth all of them by bands. And so they talk to us about cooperation and order. They move together in unison. Yet there's no obvious king or queen like there are with the bees. There's nothing obvious. But yet they go forth, they're unified, and so they're powerful. That uh, when you look at the locusts, you can understand that uh, they can outstrip an entire field. They work together. They occupy a space of 10 to 12 miles in length and 4 to 5 miles in breadth. And they're so deep that people say even the sun cannot get through because they are so deep. But they work together. They flow together. Africa, the last few months ago, we've seen a big amount of locusts that are attacking certain places. But how can we learn from the locusts? Understand, the fire cannot quench them because there's too many. And whenever someone tries to take them out with fire, they simply consume the fire because there's too many. They dig ditches, but the ditches cannot hold them because it cannot stop them. And so when there's fire of opposition, what do we do as saints? We have unity. We flow together. We unite ourselves together. And so there's no fire that can consume us. When we're in the ditches of despair, what do we do? When we're in the ditches of despair, together we lift each other out because we are looking at the locusts in our lives. And so when we unite, he gets ignited. He gets happy. Number four, the final one, find your purpose and you'll find your place. If you want to find your place in the kingdom of God, find your purpose in your life. So the Bible says that there's the Spiders, and spiders, of course, we see that they're persistent and all the skill that they have, but many translations use the word locust. So it's, the Scripture says that even though there are guards in the palace, the locusts get in. And so maybe think of it this way. The guards, of course, lo- excuse me, not locusts, lizards. Pardon me, not locusts, lizards. The lizards are, aren't really fast. They just sort of 
go like this. So if there's if the guards are doing their work, why can why can't the guards catch the guards can easily catch them? It's not that the guards can't catch them, but why are they in, in the kingly palace? Because the guard says, Oh no, that's a lizard, you let him go. Because lizards eat flies. And so if the lizard eats the flies, then, then, of course, there's no flies in the palace, and so the king's happy. So the guards say, nothing can get by, oh, but you let him go. That's a lizard. You've got to let him go. There's a purpose to that lizard. And because there's a purpose to that lizard, they get into the kingly palace. Understand, we've got to have purpose in our lives. We will go somewhere. We will cover territory if we have purpose in our lives. So I want to read to you something very, very spiritual. My soul is like a barnyard duck, muddling in the barnyard muck, fat and lazy with useless wings. But sometimes when the north wind sings, the wild ducks fly overhead. It ponders something lost and dead, and then cocks a weary, bewildered eye and makes a feeble attempt to fly. It's quite content with the state it's in, but it's not the duck it could have been. Do you want your life to be like a barnyard duck, or do you want to soar? Do you want to fly? Do you want to go somewhere? Do you want to do something? And so remember, our choices have implications in our lives. But this, by the power of the Holy Ghost, that we can understand reflecting on these creatures, we do well to ask, in what way do I need to improve? And so we look at information. We look at knowledge. We look at right and wrong from Proverbs. We look at intuition. We look at, at truth and love. Make wise choices, but don't coast along in life. Can I, can I encourage you? Don't coast along in life. Get behind leadership. Get behind your pastor. This is the shepherd of the flock. We are the sheep. And so find purpose. Unite together. See that God's working. Seek wisdom. Seek to do something. Seek significance in your lives because our choices have implications in our lives. How many more minutes? One. Let me finish then. Brother, can you come if you would? So I've asked, you're probably wondering, what in the world is this bicycle doing in church? He's going to give us a demonstration because it takes skill. You, it takes skill to be able to, it takes balance, it takes force, it takes muscle. Just go ahead and take a spin right around the altar here. Just go for it. Go for it. And so you can get from point A from point B on a bicycle. Now, the challenge is in a tight turn like that, he has to stop and get around and go the other way. Yeah, you could go through the perm and come around the other way too, whatever. It just, so go for it, brother. Okay. You see, the title of this message is trust him. Just trust our brother. Trust him. And pedal. Trust him and pedal. Okay? Isaiah 42 and verse 16. Crystal, if you come back to the keyboard. Isaiah 42 and verse 16 in the New King James. He's back. Trust him and pedal. Trust him and pedal. One more time. One more lap. Go for the gold. Go for the gusto. The Lord said, I will bring the blind by the way they did not know. And I will lead them in paths they have not known. Thank you, brother. I will lead them in paths 
they do not know. So finishing up, and as my wife plays to make you feel good that I'm finishing, there's this allegory that I read at some point years ago. A Christian man pictured his life as being like riding a bicycle, but in this case, because we don't have one, it was a tandem bicycle. And a tandem bicycle has two seats, so one person steers, both of them pedal. One sets the direction, they both give the energy. And so he saw himself sitting, riding a tandem bicycle with Jesus. He saw himself sitting up front, and steering. Of course, Jesus was always in the back seat because when there was an emergency, it's always important to have Jesus when there's an emergency. For some, that's their Christian walk. He's my life insurance. He's my backup plan. He's there when there's emergencies. But I'm in the driver's seat. I'm the one steering. One day, Jesus asked the man the question, will you trade places with me? But the man was not ready. You see, he didn't want to give up the front seat. The man said, not today. And they pedaled together, and they continued down familiar roads. Over and over, same roads, familiar, passing the same landmarks again and again and again. And occasionally the man took the wrong turn. And of course, Jesus simply would, when he got lost, Jesus would point to the way and say, that's the way to get out. That's the way. Jesus quietly pointed and guided the man back to the right road. No matter where they went, Jesus was always there because it was a tandem bike. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But there was many, many period of time, some time passed and again and again. And one day Jesus asked the question all over, will you trade places with me? And this time the man decided to give up his seat. And as Jesus took a hold of the handlebars, he looked back at the man and smiled. He simply said, trust me, now pedal. The man discovered immediately that Jesus was not taking normal route, but he took a different path immediately. And when he asked Jesus about it, Jesus simply said, I will, can take you places that you've never, ever known existed. You see, every one of us have to come to this juncture in our lives to make those choices. We had to come to this many different times, and many times we didn't know what road. But simply trusting God and said, if you will trust me, I will take you to places you've never, ever, ever imagined and dreamed in our lives. I'll take you on a different road. and I'll take you to places you never knew existed. I know roads that you have never ridden on. I know paths that lead up mountains, and I know paths that go down through the valleys. Guess what? We're going to go up on mountains, and we're going to go through valleys in our lives. And he said, I'll take you along the seashores. I know your abilities. I know your strengths and your needs. And I can lead you to places that you will make a difference in your life. Difference from my kingdom. And all you have to do is trust me. Trust Jesus to steer. And all we have to do is just keep pedaling. Keep pedaling. Stand to your feet if you would. The pedaling at times seemed so strenuous. It was so hard. 
But at other times, it seemed like they just coasted effortlessly, just coasting. Occasionally, the man would offer a suggestion. Why don't we go there? And Jesus simply would smile and said, trust me and just keep pedaling. The man allowed Jesus to permanently one day said, I'm enjoying this ride. It's the ride of my life. And he realized the best choice he could have made was let Jesus take the steering wheel. And one day he said simply, I'm going to permanently let you take the driver's seat. And so you, you stay in the front seat. And his, his life had never, ever been the same thereafter. And so let me say to you, where are you right now in your life? Has life never been the same for you? Where are you? Are you riding with Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? But there comes a point Jesus says it's not enough. You've got to let him be in the driver's seat. You've got to let him take you to roads. You've got to let him steer. You've got to trust him. You've got to pedal. And so if I can simply give you again that, that very spiritual scripture. It's not really scripture. It's a thought called the barnyard dove. If you're getting ready, put your masks on. Well, you all have them on for me. You've been obedient. I haven't been. This altar, if you can come, if you choose, in just a moment with your masks and stay apart from people. But my soul is like a barnyard duck, muddling in the barnyard muck, fat and lazy with useless wings. But sometimes when the north wind sings and wild ducks fly overhead, it ponders something that's lost and dead. It cocks a weary, belittered eye and makes a feeble attempt to fly. But oh no, it's quite content with the state it's in. But it's not the duck. Purpose, unity, passion.